Welcome to another episode of Raven Conversations. I'm Joe Seamandle, the State Public Affairs Officer for the Washington National Guard. And today we're joined virtually by Major General uh, Charles Chaz, to some folks who know him, uh, Jeffries. He's a traditional guardsman, works at Microsoft full-time. Um, and just recently, we're talking fresh, what, 17 days ago, you uh, officially retired from the from the National Guard and the military. Uh, after after how, 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 how many years total? 32 years of commissioned service, 30 years of actual service. Nice. So so he's going to talk to us about his career in the Guard, kind of that that unique traditional guardsman uh, lifestyle balance of being a civilian in one capacity while serving in uniform, and then kind of share your experiences throughout your time working at Cybercom and uh, just in the Guard in general. So we appreciate you coming on, sir. Absolutely. I'm, I'm proud to be here. Yeah. So, so real quick, uh, background on yourself. Um, yeah. So my background is I was born and raised in Seattle and, uh, it was, um, actually virtuous that I was able to get into the Washington air Na- national guard. Um, I went to the university of Miami for college, um, went on a four year air force R- ROTC scholarship and, you know, some of the reasoning behind that is if you were born and raised in Seattle in the time that I was, it seemed like it rained perpetually. And so the idea of going to Florida and someplace that wasn't so so wet and cold was really um, something that sounded great. <laughs> so um, I went actually from Miami after I was commissioned in 91 um, to Offutt Air Force Base, actually St- Strategic Air Command at the time, which then became um, STRATCOM. And from there, I went to Los Angeles Air Force Base. Um, many folks did not realize there was actually an Air Force Base in Los Angeles and El Segundo, um, mm-hmm. but that's the Space and Missile Systems Center. And that was a very rewarding assignment. Now, that was my last assignment that I did. Um, and then from there, I actually came back to Seattle. Um, that assignment that I had in Los Angeles allowed me to get a job at um Boeing in space and defense, um, working on their satellite uh, pro- programs at, at, at the time. Um, and then from there, I was able to um, find the Washington Air Guard through mutual contacts. Um, and then, yeah, 28 years later or something, um, I retired from the Guard. So after 32 years of service. So, so you you were born and raised in Seattle, and you decided to go to school in Miami. Now, tell me, people from Miami are like, "Hey, I don't want the sunshine. I'm going to go to uh, University of Washington for school." <laughs> exactly. I don't think that happens, right? <laughs> yeah, not so much. Yeah. So, so I think you kind of answered my first question. Is I always like to ask, how'd you learn about the National Guard? Yeah, like I was talking about, I had a mutual contact um, who I was working with that let me know about opportunities in the National Guard. I wasn't really tracking uh, the Guard. I was looking um, at the Air Force Reserve. When I when I went um, into the Air Force on active duty, um, I actually went down to McCord Air Force Base um, to start my in-processing. And back then, um, you would actually go and finance would pay you in cash um, for your TDY money to get you from point A to point B. So I went to McCord to get all of the money that would get me from Seattle to Offutt. And so I knew about McCord. I knew about the reserve at McCord. Um, and I did actually interview there. But when I found out about the Air Guard and the way that the Air Guard um, is structured and how they actually have unit integrity, which is a little bit different than the reserve, 
that sounded much more appealing. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, we we hear that pretty often on on here as well. As I, I was looking at both the reserve and the guard, and I think the idea of drilling close to home is always a, appealing to everyone. So it's a it's a big win for the guard right there. For sure. So, uh, so you've had a, a a pretty a pretty good career. I think at, at one point I remember meeting you. I think you were the vice commander at the 194th, and you moved into the director of the joint staff role for a limit a little time, and then you went on to Cybercom. Um, talk about just being a guardsman and working full-time starting at Boeing and then moving into Microsoft and, and kind of how that all worked out. Pretty remarkably, um, the guard had a lot to do um, with my civilian career. And I don't think we can say enough about the skills that our guardsmen are able to um, acquire through their service. And especially now with um, the technology sector and the focus, especially in the Air Force on technology, which most folks know about, um, the Army is also there, especially in cyber. Um, and being able to take those skills and apply them to your career growth in your civilian occupation. And that certainly was the case for me. Um, it was the cybersecurity expertise that I was able to gain by serving um, in the Air National Guard, especially in Washington State and the missions that they were involved with, um, with um, our um, sister units that are down at Lackland Air, Air, Air Force Base that were really the pioneers of cybersecurity within the Air Force. Um, that The training, the experience that I acquired, that allowed me to get into the, the cybersecurity um, field within Microsoft and actually was fortunate enough to actually work in Windows security for many years and work on, you know, some of the kind of evolutionary security offerings that Microsoft has within within Windows. And it was purely based on that unique training that I was able to get through the Air Force and the National Guard. Yeah. And that's, it's remarkable to think like that, that all that crossover, we, we were just, I think, talking about it earlier today, the crossover, even just PA, right. You know, that goes into civilian capacity and in print journalism or public relations. So it's, it's always nice to hear, you know, the, it, if it wasn't for the guard, I probably wouldn't even have the job I had. So, um, it, and as you, you took that skill set, um, you started kind of going through the ranks and rising up, um, Talk about some of those, like the goods, right? There's probably some really goods, but there's probably also some struggles and, you know, making sure you had time for this job as well as your, your guard job. So. Absolutely. Yeah. As, uh, as you might expect the technology companies like Microsoft, Amazon, Google, they're very demanding um, on your time. And so trying to balance managing a career on the civilian side as well as you know, having a fruitful career on the military side um, really required the support of my family to be successful there. Um, mm -hmm. I certainly couldn't have done that um, without the support of my spouse, um, helping you know, to take care of the family, quite frankly, um, when I was deployed, but also working long hours at Microsoft. And uh, there were times when um, we would be in a mode where we were working on a release for like Windows or Office and the demands on your schedule are similar to demands when you're deployed, um, when when you're in a company and you're working towards a milestone or a goal. And, and so that was really a critical component is having that support. Um, also having the support of the employer. Um, Microsoft is, 
you know, exceptional in their support of the reserve and the guard. Um, folks that are that are employees, um, you know, I've I view them as one of the leaders, especially in their support for deployments. And so around 9-11, you know, things changed, I think, for corporate America and their support, you know, for our troops that were deploying. Prior to that, generally companies would give two weeks of um, like back pay, essentially, mm -hmm. um, for military folks. Um, and it was really aligned around AT time, right? It wasn't really thoughtful about a deployment. Um, that changed in 9-11 um, to where companies saw that, hey, you, you know, there's six months for the Air Force, at least six months deployments are going to be pretty routine. And to try to not put a hardship on that member who's having to deploy and conduct that mission in support um, of the nation. And many companies, especially those that are aligned around you know, defense contracting in the first place, they understand that it's also in their best in their best interest to provide that support um, because it's actually that member, you know, who they're supporting through whatever products that they might be building, um, you know, on behalf of the, the Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. So, so kind of for the last five years, um, and this kind of goes into my next question, the last five years, you've worked at Cybercom, right? It, that's not a traditional drilling, I imagine. You're not just going one week in a month saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to go drill, but I'm not going to be here in the state. So, so I'm assuming Microsoft was very flexible as well on that. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's a great question because the role that I was in um, is part of a program um, where the National Guard and the Reserve as well, they provide what we call mobilization assistance or National Guard assistance. Um, to the combatant, the combatant commands, um, those roles do require much more time than a traditional guard or reserve um, role would be that's not at a general officer level. And it varies depending on um, which one of the roles that you're in. Um, the good thing is it's not continuous time. It's broken out over the course of a year. And so for me, I would I would serve about a week to two weeks per month in my role at Cyber Command in the NSA. Um, you contrast that with a you know more of a a traditional role that might be serving at Cyber Command. And I actually had a a major on my team at Microsoft who was in a IMA role um, and who was serving at Cyber Command. Um, was actually in the battle ca ca captain track um, and actually worked in operations there. Um, and he was able to do, you know, his normal drill time as well as the two to three weeks per year of AT. And so it wasn't so much about supporting cyber command that dictated the time commitment. It was really the level um, that you're serving at. Yeah. So so I think there's always this question of when guardsmen leave the state um, and they and they get a job, say, in, at Bureau or at D.C., and that's where they drill or uh, or they're there on a tour. Um, there, there's always these questions, right? What does that look like? Well, how does it work? Um, can you kind of give shed some light on that for those folks? Yeah, and so it's uh, it's it's interesting from the point of view that a lot of folks think about um, if you're going to serve in a reserve or guard capacity that you do that close to home. I think is where your question's coming from. Mm -hmm. So the idea that you can be in Washington State and serve as a a reservist or a guardsman um, with a unit that might be all the way across the country and how that works. And, you know, there are some, um, there are some of these roles where they'll have arrangements 
where the member's not required to go out every month and do a normal drill weekend, as folks relate to, um, but instead maybe you come out once a quarter and you can serve, you know, your three drill weekends consecutive um, in that time. Um, in some of the cases, members will have to travel out to the unit um, on, at, at their own expense. Um, but in the cases where, where, where the role is kind of recognized as more of a federal support role like I was in, um, the travel is all covered um, as, as part of the duty. Yeah. Uh, so I think in relating to, to Cybercom, because I'm, I'm generally curious, and, and you can talk as much depth or as little depth as you want, and you can be like, nope, can't talk much about it. What was kind of your roles there? So within the role that I had, and we could probably compare this um, also to other assistants that aren't specifically in technology or cyber, um, you could compare it to um, the pilots that we have in the Guard that also work as assistants to some of the combatant commands and also the, like the numbered air forces. You're there to provide um, some expertise and experience that the command doesn't have inher inherently on their staff. And so a way to think about that, if we thought about it from a pilot lens, would be if you have a guard or reserve pilot who flies for the airlines, mm -hmm. they're going to have a completely different perspective on training and safety and the things that the airlines do that inherently may not you know, exist in the military um, like wing that they might be supporting or the, the command they're supporting. So they can bring their perspectives and help to improve maybe safety and the way that um, that command can be thinking about how they perform the mission by integrating some of that thinking that's coming from the commercial sector. For me at Cyber Command, it was the same idea. Um, they're bringing in the commercial experience that I have around cybersecurity and also um, software engineering, product development, um, and sharing those experiences and being able to, to advise the command um, on that commercial perspective as they work through and navigate the complexities of what they have to deal with um, as far as being able to perform their mission, that can be extraordinarily useful. Um, certainly they have the ability to go out and contract for support um, with consultants to provide some perspective too, but I think that's a unique uh, per per perspective that, that we bring through the National Guard Assistant pro Program and the MAs. Yeah, yeah. So I, Washington is a pretty you know, I think it's got a great reputation across the whole DOD for, for being kind of forward thinking in cyber. I think especially Air Guard has always been kind of forward thinking. And, and you played a vital role in that as, as part of the, I think you were part of 252-262-194th leadership. Um, if there's a young airman who's like, hey, I'm interested in cyber, what do they need to do to, to start building that kind of, that I'd say resume, professional resume to, to get into those units and start being part of that kind of legacy that's, that's developed that uh, reputation. It's amazing today because so much of the learning um, that, that was what I referred to as that unique tr training that I was able to get. And you have to think back to like, you know, 2000 timeframe, like the idea of going and getting, like access to training on the internet and how to do cybersecurity or how to do like cyberspace operations. That just was not a thing, right? Now it's ubiquitous, right? It, mm -hmm. you know, you think about 
you think about actually just going and using chat GPT and ask the question, <laughs> hey, I want to start a career in cybersecurity. What should I do first? Right. And it's going to tell you. Um, and so I think to build that foundation, there's so much that they can take advantage of that's just honestly free. Um, you know, and you think about all of the all of the content on YouTube that's mm -hmm. out there. Um, for training, and I think about Microsoft, and uh, I've done some vid some videos for Microsoft. There's a um, we have a, a series called Microsoft Mechanics, and the videos that we put up there are actually all about our products and sometimes about training. And that's just one example where, like, if we were talking to a airman who was looking to get into training, or somebody that was looking to actually think about coming into the guard and getting a, you know, to pursue a career in cybersecurity, you know, that would be certainly an avenue would be to take advantage of um, all that training that's just available for free on the internet. Yeah. So, so I think last question, and, and we mentioned it right at the beginning, you just recently retired. I don't even think the ink is dry on your retirement paperwork yet. Um, looking back over your career, good times, bad times, anything that stands out, anything you want to share with, with younger airmen and soldiers and, you know, kind of to help their careers out. Absolutely. Well, for me, what's top of mind when you ask that question, Joe, is just all of the friends and the colleagues that I've had the chance to um, meet and to bond with and to have a shared experience with over my career in the Air Force. And we have a saying where we say it's a small Air Force. Um, I can't, I can't really say that I could express that any better than <laughs> it's a small Air Force. The people that I have, you know, grown to know, and then our careers would intersect along the way over the 30 years that I was in was truly re remarkable. Um, one of the lieutenants that I served with at Offutt, um, when I was a lieutenant, I had kind of lost track of him. Um, I separated from the Air Force. I went into the Guard. And I remember when I was deployed to Germany um, to conduct a mission to do cyber defensive operations, and we were um, getting ready to brief um, the commander that was out on the base that we were supporting. Um, that individual walked into the briefing room, who I hadn't seen in probably 15 years, maybe. and had no idea that he was there. And so, you know, here our careers have been separated and now they just came together. <laughs> and yeah. so we stayed in touch since that time. And, you know, he stayed active and I did guard. And so that's just one example. There's been so many of those that I could talk about how I've ran into the people that either I served with when I was a cadet or I served with on active duty or, you know, in my time in the guard um, that have been a big part of my life. And so what I would say to the folks that are thinking about their career um, and, you know, what they really would get out of a career within the Guard um, or the Air Force or DOD writ large, it really is about the relationships that you're going to build. Because I don't think people really think about that. They think about, I'll learn the mission, mm -hmm. I'm going to get great training, um, but they don't think about that people connection that they're going to get, which is extraordinary. Yeah. And I couldn't couldn't agree more on that one. I we, I talked yesterday about exactly that topic, how the guard is kind of a family in the end, and uh, you, you kind of just grow up together. 
you know, with these folks. So I, I appreciate you coming on. Anything else you want to share with the, with the folks at home watching? Um, I think just the timing that we're in happy veterans day to all of our veterans. As we just came out of um, veterans day um, last week. Um, I appreciate, you know, those who have served before us. Um, and now for me, those that continue to serve, um, especially those that have just joined. Um, I really appreciate our airmen and our soldiers, our sailors, our Marines and Coast Guard um, that are coming straight out of high school mm-hmm. and, you know, taking, um, I think, that, 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 that step um, into the unknown. And, you know, whether they're enlisting or whether they're working on getting a commission, you know, we, we appreciate their service. Um, and we can't say enough about how, how we recognize the sacrifice that they're making, especially today, um, with so many other opportunities that are out there. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's what I would say um, is uh, some, 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 uh, something that really is near and dear to my heart. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, we, we appreciate you coming on. If you like the video, give it a like. If you want to know more, we can definitely put some information in the notes and subscribe to the channel for future videos. Sir, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it again. Well, thank you, Joe. I appreciate it.